Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the only podcast produced by three winners of IMSA's Spirit of the Race Award. That's right, you're tuned into the Check Engine podcast. We're streaming through Anchor.fm or anywhere else podcasts are stream. As a matter of fact, most of our listens come from other, <laughs> so we're, we're still trying to figure out where other is, but yeah, so uh, my name is Nick. With me, as always, my two co-hosts. Andrew, you have a new accessory on your mic today. I do. We're testing, uh, what is this thing called? A foam it's thing? A con- it's a condom. Yeah. It really, really makes this mic look very funny. <laughs> and It's, it's um, a microphone hat. Yeah, it's not It's not a pop filter. It's a, I think it's just called a wind deflector, something like that. What, but, could um, you call it a fairing? Yeah, no, you really could. So we'll see. We're trying some new stuff with the new mics to get the best sound possible. We're trying to sound more professional than we are. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to work. No, because the content will still be garbage. Garbage. (laughs) (laughs) There's no there's no saving that. There's nothing we can do to the mics that can help that. Tristan, have you done anything to your mic lately? Um, I've twiddled the dials a little bit. Because it got messed up when I put it in my bag, and that's about it. Well, there you go. Left it as is. As I mentioned, uh, we aren't pros, but uh, you're all listening anyway, so we thank you for that. Um, We don't want you to just listen. We want you to reach out. We want you to talk with us as well. Um, You can find us at checkenginepodcast.com. We do have our own website. How about that? And we have an email there, inbox at checkenginepodcast.com, or you can find links to all of our socials and everything else. Um, our blog is there. Links to our episodes are there. Pretty much anything, you, anywhere you want to go that's CEP-related, checkenginepodcast.com is the place to start. Andrew, take <laughs> us through our topic. Well, you see, last week, Tristan made fun of me for getting upset about the overuse of the word iconic. So in order to make him regret ever speaking to me, (laughs) this episode will be dedicated to overusing the term iconic in pursuit of bettering car culture. I think it's funny that he thinks this is what's going to make me regret ever. (laughs) (laughs) I think that day has long long passed. But no, well, what I have done is compiled an overly long list of iconic cars as presented by the internet. Just lists, so not iconic American cars, not iconic movie cars, not iconic European cars, just iconic cars. I pulled from that list, I made a note of uh, how many times a certain car appeared, and we're gonna talk about it, and we're, we're, we're gonna fix this, because this is too much. What I have here is too much. So we're gonna dissect each one of these cars does it deserve the iconic badge is exactly. what you're saying. And and what does it truly mean? You know, there's there's a lot. Was there any criteria on these lists that you found? Because there are multiple different lists that you pulled from. Was it just it was just iconic cars? There was no time frame. There was Correct. no other criteria. Just iconic cars, period. End yep. of story. And the really messed part is so the I, I didn't count all the cars I found on the lists because some of them were really dumb. So I compiled a list of seventy-two. Of those Jesus 70, Christ, man. I know, I know. Of those All 72, right, folks, we're in for another marathon episode. Hope you're ready. Indeed. Of those 72, 60 appeared on more than one list. Several appeared on 
multiple. I think there's a few here on six or seven. <coughs> so we're going to take a look at this list and see where it takes us. Sounds like fun. Sounds like a great thought exercise. A voyage of discovery. Exactly. Absolutely. But first, as always, we begin these episodes with pace laps. Does anyone have a pace lap that they'd be willing to share? As per usual, I have an inverse neat car. <laughs> it's so weird and bad that it was neat. Um, <laughs> I saw an actual jalopy. Like Google jalopy, it's like a you know old timey term for a bad car, and I saw one. I it, thought it was just like yeah, like a rust bucket. Or, yeah, yep. yeah, and and it's it very rarely does it live up to like what you see in like movies. For example, it's like oh that couldn't be real. It's a movie. This one was. It was had to be a, from the fifties or sixties. It was a very old pickup truck. Uh, it had been at least three other pickup trucks at one point <laughs> in his life. Um, the colors were all different. Um, and it was literally like rattle banging its way down the road. Like you could hear body panels hitting each other and it would like backfire occasionally. And I was like, how is this making it down the road? Wow. Um, it was on Highway 18. It was going 50 in a 55. So it was probably about all it could do. Um, and it was simply astonishing that this thing was rolling much less the engine was kind of running and anybody would be willing to get in it and drive it i'm assuming the person who's who was willing to get in it and drive it was like an old farmer i can't speak to the profession but he was definitely (laughs) as older older than the truck well there you go then he just loves his truck yeah it was was astonishing to see (laughs) Because I was, yeah, you, these are the kind of things you see, like, you know, set dressers and prop people make for movies. Yeah. And this, like, then this just existed. At the like, beginning, like, before the aliens attack, like, you know, the yeah. guys growing up on the farm. and Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, you don't see them in real life. <laughs> Do we have any idea what the actual brand of truck was, or is it just too much It's not my mismatching wheelhouse. It's not my wheelhouse, panel. and there were no badges, so I don't know. No. Old truck. Yeah. The brand was old. <laughs> old old <Yes>. truck. <laughs> uh, on the complete other end of the spectrum, <laughs> has everyone seen the new Bentley Continental GTC? The yes. convertible Bentley Continental? Yes. Ooh. Why Purdy. did it take them this long? Yeah. I, that's what I was <laughs> going to say is, is maybe because they didn't know they needed it just as much as I didn't know I wanted it. That's fair. That's really fair because it looks... It never occurred to me to be like, hey, because I've always liked the Continental GT. And, but it never occurred to me to go, take the top off that. And it would be even better because I'm usually not a big one for convertibles. Me neither. Yeah. But... I'm a hard top guy. But... Coupe guy. This, a grand touring vehicle of this magnitude with a drop top is going to be fantastic. And it looks great. It really looks fantastic. It, it's yeah. really pretty. Also pretty, I see Andrew just pulled it up. The, the Is it pronounced F8 or Fate, Tristan? <laughs> <laughs> I vote that the internet says it's Fate. It's the F8, uh, what's it? F8 Tributo. Tributo. Oh, yeah. The new car from Ferrari. Um, oh, my God. It looks incredible. Highest horsepower from any normally aspirated Ferrari engine. 
and it's a V8, and they made 10s and 12s. Yeah. Right? So that's something. I mean... And I, it looks gorgeous. It really does. It, it's... I don't know what's kind of gotten into Ferrari since the 458, but they've continued along like a design evolution that, and of course, you know, I'm no Ferrari expert, but it seems like this is more focused. They've taken that singular design 458, which you know I think is trash, and I think this proves it even more that that was like the throwaway first draft, but they're on this single line of design for all their vehicles. Mm -hmm. And this is like, this seems like the peak. This has to be the best this Ferrari design can look. Because I don't know how you improve from this. It looks perfect. Yeah, it looks really, really, really good. Yeah, when you go down the whole lineage, starting at the 458, 488 to now, mm -hmm. you've got the Pista is, in there. You've got this is the, clearly the best it's been. Oh, man, is it good? It's awesome. Look it up, folks. Ferrari F8 or Fate Tributo. <laughs> hey, Nick, I wonder how much the new Corvette's going to look like this. <laughs> uh, Go home. Get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's going to start doing. Not in this roof. Not, <laughs> Not in my house. Not under this roof. If I have to turn this car around, <laughs> I, will, I will stop this podcast right now. I will turn now. this house around. <laughs> Dude, it could happen any second. I know. At any second. I'm any having moment. I'm having anxiety over <laughs> he's it. Got the, I, he's I got the sort of Damocles moment, just like <laughs> I I don't sleep much as it is. I'm sleeping less until they make this announcement. Like <laughs> just get it over with. But what I mean, but what if? There's what, no what if we know what it's gonna be. What if what if <laughs> It turns out to be a Camaro. <laughs> yeah, or we're all wrong, and it is a Cadillac. I oh, mean, man. You, you and I are going to look real dumb. But that would be super funny. Yes. That'd I be would, worth it. It really would be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be, be way it. too funny. Oh, man. Yeah, um, you can keep, I mean, keep calling me out on it. That's fine. I'll just, it's just part of the game at this point. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll take it. You invited this. I totally, <laughs> I totally, I totally admit to inviting this upon myself for my fandom or because of my fandom. We'll see. It's after, after whatever this announcement is, whatever that car ends up being, that's when it's going to get really interesting because not only for you, but for everyone, because a lot of people think exactly like Nick, we, we make fun of him because it just sounds really funny since Tristan well, and, and I are all and like, because yeah, we do know it. him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, I at least very rarely make fun of people I don't know. I can't relate. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I, you know, it may even be a majority of people, specifically Corvette fans, are exactly aligned with Nick. I would, I would bet that's true. Yeah, I think I think it is, just looking at the internet and yes. the way people are kind of reacting to any news about the Corvette. Basically, when you go to the Twitter comments on any news about the Corvette mules, half of the people are saying it's not a Corvette. Still. <laughs> like, it, it can't be a Corvette. And, you know, it's... it's the rubble, 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 rubble. Yeah, no exactly. Corvette. So, um, yeah, that's when it gets really interesting. Speaking of Nick and driving things, that was a segue. Yes. No, we got Was it? Well, I want to say it was. Um, <laughs> I believe you owe us a rental car review from last week. Yeah, we, we got into the Daytona thing. And, Daytona review kind of I light. never got my rental car review out of you. True. Yeah. Do you, do you have the drop? My, my voice recorded drop <laughs> for this? Do it again. <laughs> rental car review. Boop. There you go. All right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so 
When we were down in Florida, part of our trip, as always, is renting a vehicle. And last year, actually, the vehicle we rented kind of sort of halfway led to my next vehicle purchase because we last year we actually got a Chevy Colorado and I loved it so much that I went out and with the help of our viewers uh, or listeners, I bought one. So um, this time we did not get a pickup truck. This time we received a Nissan Altima. Huh. I would have thought you would have gone SUV. It was whatever was on the thing, you know, midsize Toyota or equivalent, whatever it was. And we got assigned a Nissan Altima. Um, We'll start with the interior to get it out of the way. The interior was (laughs) cheap and the interior was crap. Oh, yeah. Nissan. Because Nissan. Yes. Because terrible interiors. Yes. Because Nissan. But besides one faulty sensor, which I'll get to in a second, that was like the only real negative piece of this car. Nissan's mechanically and in the way they drive and the way they respond to your input. Um, we didn't do a whole, like it wasn't like a full on road trip like you did. So we don't have like 18 hours to try different <laughs> settings and all this kind of stuff. Like we drove from the airport basically to racetracks and most of it was in heavy traffic. It was a lot of stop and go. I mean, everyone floods. I mean, Disney one coming into Orlando and then add on top of that the race weekend like there there wasn't a lot of open road that we really got to test anything on but um <laughs> any anytime we did get some some space i guess you can call it to tr- at least try to get over 45 or 50 um <laughs> the the car was amazingly responsive on throttle input uh, steering input was, I actually told my dad, like, I don't know if I'm just used to SUVs and trucks being like lazy, but the steering was so tight on it that like in parking lots, I felt like, like there was no power steering. I'm like, dad, is this steering wheel like tight to you? Like, <laughs> what's going on? It was just a, it was a new sensation from what I drive on a daily basis. Um, we had one of the and my my dad and I were intentionally trying to get this thing to trip because we couldn't find a pattern, but the the front collision sensor wasn't working properly. Hmm. So like it would just go off at random points and say like the you know there's this loud beep in the car and then it would say like oh I forget what the message was um, obstructed sensor cannot you know something like just some error message kept popping up and we're like okay we're gonna try to figure this out just because the beep was annoying us and we didn't know how to shut it off. So we were trying, we were trying to figure out what made it go off so mm-hmm. we could at least avoid doing that. And it was completely random shit. Like there was no, like we tried um, stopping incredibly close to somebody. We tried stopping way far back. We tried like pulling out to pass someone almost like a bump draft when we got like right on their bumper and then like whipped across a lane really quick to see if it'll that would set it off like meanwhile everybody in florida is cursing them yeah we were driving like an ultima yeah we were just we were driving like total dicks trying to figure out how this what was making the sensor go off and we couldn't figure it out it seemed completely random i can actually tell you about that yeah because i wrote about it in my blog that just came out you know on the day we're recording this it probably has the same, it's probably a level two, just like, level two AV. Just like my wife's Kona. So those front collision sensors don't work when they fucking feel like it. 
Right. That's what it seemed like. So they no, genuine, genuinely, this is this is the absolute truth. So my wife was having the same problem just after she got her car. We actually called the dealership because it was going off. This so the front collision sensors were turning off all the time. That is how they work. They turn off when there's too much traffic. They turn off when there's not enough traffic, when it's too dark, when it's too bright, when it's dirty, when it's foggy, when it rains, when it snows, when it sleets, um, uh, or not. <laughs> or, or none. Which, which to be fair, from a, an implementation of technology standpoint, makes total sense. Because these yes. are collision detectors that are going to apply the brakes for you. Exactly. And you don't want them to do that whenever they want. You want them to do that when they're supposed to, or not. Yes, you're exactly right. It's far because better. you don't want to be just cruising along and then have the brakes lock and have up the on brake you. Supply, which so I get why, but it's all. It also means that they're utterly useless. Well, just on the just on the near side of it, but yeah, you're exactly right. And, yes. and I didn't put that in my blog, which is probably you know somewhat at least. Mm, dishonest because I do understand that as someone in technology, whenever there's an error in reading that sensor data, you want that sensor to turn itself off mm-hmm. and not take any action yes. right for a period of time until it can reset. Fail off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. so I mean, if we could at least found a way to mute it, like I don't care about the message showing up on the screen, but the beep would just come out out of nowhere, and it would. So is that one like continuous? No, it'd just be. And then, and then we're like, what, what was this? We look at the dash, we look at all the gauges, and then, oh, there's that error message. And like the first couple times, like it got us, like yep. coming out of <laughs> the airport. It. And then, and then, you know, by the second, you know, third day of the trip, it was, be- oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Again. <laughs> like, no, I mean, I, I, I have no way to tell if that's normal, but. Right. It, 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 it just, it was just annoying. And. It at the very least seems to be a standard occurrence for that kind of sensor. Um, Mechanically, I would give the car probably a, maybe a B, B plus rating. Like it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a terrible mechanical machine at all. I think, I think the interior was like a D (laughs) at best. Yeah. Like they were, like they're just. They looked like they just went into the the bucket of Legos and just stuck buttons. Are they places. still doing that chunky three spoke steering wheel in Nissans? Because I definitely saw. it. I in believe the, it was. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It just um, the interior was just bad, and then the sensor going off didn't help with just the overall pleasure of driving in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, it's a rental, right? What are you gonna do? Um, you drive it and you review it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is what, yeah, which is what I just did. Um, would I own one? If we can figure out a way to turn that sensor off, maybe. <laughs> I'm sure that's well. You know what? I don't know if that's mandatory standard now, but I think more new cars, 19s and 20s. Oh, they're gonna have them. Have it than don't. Oh, I yeah. know there's a fuse somewhere I can pull out. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, you just gotta oh, yeah, yeah. look at the manual, <laughs> open the hood, find the fuse button, just pop that one out. Yeah. But. I, I will say, Meg has had it go off once in her car, though. But she had already noticed and was putting her foot on the brake. Mm. So, I mean, you know, I guess it could save you. Well, I guess. Whatever. We'll see. Um, um, speaking of Nissan, any news on Carlos Gosen? 
lately? Actually, no. He's sitting in jail. And that is the news. That is the news. He's sitting in Japanese prison still. He gets to stay in jail. Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, was... And it's hard to tell necessarily why. But, you know, since December, really, the only update was that he was still in jail and trying to get out. I just don't think they're going to let him out. I really think that they're going to, and I have no knowledge of what the Japanese legal system is like and how it works between, you know, obviously they have some sort of trial system. What it looks like, I have no idea. I think they just want to keep him in prison until that, until whatever their hearing is. I don't think they're letting him out. No, I don't think there's any way. No. Because even, even... The Japanese crack down on crime, dude. Like, they are serious. they're, They're dead serious, but also... Every time before that he made any sort of attempt in the press to request his release, they hit him with new charges. They're <clears throat> not at all fucking around with him. Not, not even in the a least. little bit. Not in the least. Not even a little bit of fuck around. And I just, I don't know, maybe he's, you know, accepted it or whatever, but that's serious there. It has been pretty quiet. Yeah. It has been pretty quiet on that front, so... We'll see what happens. To be continued. I mean, definitely. At some point, he's going to end up in court. Um, yeah, there's got to be a hearing trial yeah. at some point. So, well, anyway, I have one last. I have one last thing that I want to mention, and this is well, it's more something to brag about, and then also to keep an eye out for. When Jim Hackett was hired as the CEO of Ford, I said it seemed like a really dumb hire, and I said that. He's not. He doesn't know cars. Doesn't know anything about cars, and his plans have sort of. You know, kind of follow that along nicely. However, there is an anonymous senior level executive from Ford who gave an interview. Uh, I, I forget exactly who it was for. The Free Press. It was with the Free Press. This executive said, quote, Jim is not from this world and does not listen. So he doesn't take advice from maybe someone who knows more about the subject. Exactly. Than he yeah, exactly. He's letting the ego and the title of CEO get in the way of making... And Any you, smart decisions. And you can see that in what they're doing. So he's, so he's he's musking it. Yeah. We yeah. Were right. <laughs> he's musking oh, it. Man. There's all this Tesla stuff. Ah, oh, we probably don't even have time to get into it. No, probably at not. At this point. Unless we're going to just scrap this episode concept. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Uh, well, next time. Next time. They're not going anywhere. No, <laughs> Tesla's going to be around a while, unfortunately. All right, let's just let's get into this. Pace lap's done. All right. So, Tristan was making fun of me for getting mad about the word iconic being used in the concept, uh, being used about cars. Because really, and genuinely, if you look on car Twitter, if you look even on Instagram or Facebook, anywhere on the internet, you can find someone using the word iconic about any car ever made. It's not an exaggeration. That's that's the truth. Even if it's something like a Corolla or, you know, someone's going to call it iconic. That could be iconic. Exactly. And they might not even be wrong. So here's what I did to start this off. And this sounds really dumb. This is high school stuff right here. This is high school. <laughs> I looked up the word iconic. Merriam-Webster defines iconic as Andrew. <laughs> it actually is Merriam-Webster. <laughs> <laughs> they were first on Google, so. They paid the most. Yeah. Um, so iconic. Definition of iconic. Of relating to or having the characteristics of an icon. You can't use the word to define itself. Move on, Merriam-Webster. Fucking just, thanks. Just, Miriam. It's not Miriam. It's <laughs> Merriam. Ask me if I care. Do you care? 
Not really. Okay. Moving on. Okay, so that's that's the primary definition. That's number one. Number two has two parts. Two A, widely recognized and well established. Two B, widely known and acknowledged, especially for distinctive excellence. I think that's the one we're gonna we're gonna go with today. Pump your brakes. Okay. Because I think it's oh my sensor's broken now. So. <laughs> your brakes then won't be pumped for you. That's exactly. all that means. <laughs> no, no, because that is not where this ends. Oh no. Here's what I did. I went to the OED and I looked up the word iconic. Oh, God. <laughs> Get a different podcast for this. No, this is actually important. So uh, check it, the English Dictionary podcast. CEP. This is important because I learned two things. The first thing is that, you know, the word iconic is from somewhere in the uh, 15th century, 16th century where it first started appearing in documents. But one thing that OED does not do is track the evolution of words. So while in its initial context, the word iconic only referred specifically to the first definition and religious artifacts even more specifically, the second definition, so, you know. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. You look, Nick, you're looking at me weird. I just thought Tristan farted, so, so I was uh, looking at him uh, weird. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, in its initial use, it referred to the characteristics of an icon, specifically in the religious context. The second definition of iconic, as it stands today, well-recognized or widely known for excellence, there's no tracking of that specific usage. So, really, my my whole thing about this is... You think the car industry turned that word into a... Away from religion? No, I don't think it was the I don't think it was the car industry at all, and I'm not arguing that words shouldn't evolve in definition. What I'm saying is overuse of the word iconic intentionally or unintentionally created a secondary definition for the word. It should, by all rights, just be referring to an icon, not in the religious sense, but in the sense of a piece, or in this case, a car that is representative of more than itself, is representative of the higher quality, the higher standards. Sure. Instead, it's become just something that's well-known for exactly. lack of a better teardown of that first definition that you gave. Exactly. So that is my argument for this list. We have too many cars that are considered iconic by using that second definition, which is fine, sure, on the surface of things. But as we look at some of the cars on this list that I put together... To me, they automatically sort themselves into two groups, iconic and cars that people like. It kind of happens on its own because this list is all over the place. And I really mean all over the place. So I don't really know the best way to start. What's the first? <clears throat> Excuse me. What's the first car on the list? We can start there. But how do you want to do this? Like, we're just going to list them off and then say yay or nay and debate them? Because I don't you know, know if we're going to be able to get through 72, you know, in the next... I don't think so. I think what I'm going to do, we'll start this way. I'm going to pull the number one most iconic car according to the list. It appeared on the most lists out of all the other cars. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to, I'm going to give you an example of a car that only appeared on one list. Okay. So Hit from, me. You know, from these 10 lists or whatever it was <clears> that I looked at. The most, the car that appeared on the most is the first generation Ford Mustang. First generation? Mm -hmm. The very first generation Ford Mustang. You know, some gave various years. Most of them cited a stupid green one because, boy, 
So there's that. <laughs> First generation Mustang versus Acura Legend. Does anyone even know what an Acura Legend is? I was just gonna say, I've never heard of that. Uh, nope. It's the car that came out before the Honda Accord. So are they calling if well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you're going by if there's the definition, you know, representative of something larger than itself, more than itself, if that laid the groundwork for the Accord, which is a staple all over the place now. But you can just have the Accord. You don't ha- it doesn't have to be the car that came before it. You can just have the regular Accord on the list if you want. But it represented the beginning of it. Doesn't matter. No it rep- one. It represented something that wasn't that, and that no one remembers. Exactly. No one now, at this table th- even you, knew you what a legend was. You can. Well, the problem is we're looking at very specifically at the definition of iconic. If you're talking about like transformational or somehow important or you know you know underrated because they did all this stuff for the car industry, sure maybe. But it it, it isn't an icon. Exactly, and that, you know that's no, a, that's not. another thing. Cars that are not iconic aren't garbage. We just need to have fewer icons. Right. <laughs> you know, here's, an, here's another example. In my mind, a car that's iconic needs to be so iconic, just saying the name gives anyone who knows even a little bit about cars a full representation of that car. Veyron. Yes. Iconic. In the truest sense. <laughs> Nearly religious. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And just saying that word to anyone who knows even a little bit about cars, they picture the entirety of the car. They know how fast it goes. They know how powerful it is. They know how big the engine is. And I mean, that is an icon to me. That is something that just the name, we don't have to say the brand. We don't even have to say it. Or yeah. you can just say Bugatti and people will only think of the Veyron, even though they have a new car that's faster and better. It doesn't matter. Yep. That's an icon. And very similarly, one of mine that I had been thinking of is I, literally one word, just like Veyron. It's, you know, it has be. If you say Quattro, I swear to God. That's what I'm going to say. That's what he's going to say. Yep. Because, because, though, it has gone on to define, like, it was one car. It was a model. It was not just the all-wheel drive system. It was just the Quattro. Mm-hmm. And it went on to define how that company made cars forever. I completely and, agree with Quattro. And, and, it, and even though, for I believe, Lancia still Lancia still has more rally wins than Audi do. does with the Stratos and a few others. Mm-hmm. When people when you say Quattro, the king of rally pops to mind because it's just it is that that image that everybody thinks of, and I think that's that's what iconic is. Even though. Stratos is a great car, and you might argue it's iconic for its own little subset of people. Mm-hmm. For the world, when you say rally car, a lot of people just think of Quattro. I can definitely, yeah. see, I can definitely see an argument for that, so, especially in America. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, I think in Europe, I think the Stratos would probably be maybe the first car most people think of, in yeah, all or honesty. or newer stuff because it's still going on there. Yeah, yeah. R- rally stopped being a thing here right after the Quattro was done. Basically, in yeah. the nineties. I mean, another so. another great example, and this one is actually the opposite. If I say DeLorean, everyone thinks of one car, but it's not the is it is it the only car DeLorean ever made? I don't even know. Yeah, mm-hmm. admittedly, but yeah, just the DeLorean. The DMC twelve is the actual name of that car. No one cares. No one cares what the name of that car. If is. I walked up to you and said DMC twelve, anybody who doesn't know what that is, they'd be like, 
is that a chemical or <laughs> what is that a computer you know? code? Yeah, or... or it's a model of computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, because so in that case, the brand name is actually iconic, not you know, the model attached to the car, not the model name. Right. right. So here's a complicating factor. We talked. Uh, well, I just said you know the Ford Mustang first gen was the most voted iconic car out of all these lists. So can that car really be iconic? I know that it's the most voted here. I know it's on the lists, but they still make the Ford Mustang today. I was going to say, I don't know about the first gen Mustang, mm-hmm. but you say Mustang, just that word. How many people are thinking of a horse or the plane, the plane yeah. or versus the car? Yeah. I would bet that people think the car first. I definitely think they I definitely think people think of the car. When I think of Mustang weirdly and I don't even know why this is, I think of the Fox bodies. Which is really kind of weird. I have I maybe I was just a subject to Ford's advertising at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but when someone says Mustang, I almost always can't help but think of it in plural. And it's like <laughs> the whole like stack all the way from the first Mustang to the new one. Really? Like watching the evolution go. And it's like some, it looks like a fold out ad in a magazine or something in my head. I, hmm. I can't think of one. I think of as many as I can remember, which is admittedly not all of them all the time. What do you think of, Nick? When someone says Mustang? Yeah, when someone says Ford Mustang, what do you think of? Oh, I think of, I think of the Fastback. The, like the early Fastbacks? Yeah, the early the Fastbacks, yeah. That's a good one to think of, actually. That's a nice that's, car. That's a nice <laughs> car. car. Yeah. I like, yeah. actually. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, let's leave that one to the side because I think we can get closer to the heart of this if we talk Corvette. Okay. Because you have a lot of experience with that. And the first one to appear on while I was searching was the 63 Stingray. Yep. Split window. Yep. Yes. I think that's a good option. But other ones that have appeared on the list, like the original which I don't really even know what it looks like. The first cor- the first Corvette ever. I don't even know what that looks like. It looks unlike all the any of, of the rest of them. <laughs> well, yes. The only thing it has similar is the fact that it has the same name and also uses four tires and a steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another one that showed in this list, actually. It was the C5, which, like, what are you... Who are you? Who's making So mid-90s. Yeah. So, my, I don't even know that much about Corvette, but my thought on that one is that is the beginning of the resurgence of Corvette. Well, you know, I mean, the C4. Yeah, the C4 was kind of a was kind dark. of a dud. It was kind of, um, those dark ages for Corvette. And then you get to the C5, and that's when you start seeing them start winning and racing again. Corvette racing know, started with, with the, the C5. C5. Yeah. Okay. And okay. then went so, C67, and, you know, that whole legend in you know, but previously American Le Mans and now, you know, the IMSA, WeatherTech, whatever they're running now, series. Um, it's become a word soup even for me, and I love the sport. Yeah. Um, it started with a C5, and I think that's probably why that pops up in the list, because it started this whole recent thing. You, you, like, yeah, sure, the first one, but really, like, the first run of really cool Corvettes was the split window, and that went for a while, and then it was kind of Dark Ages, and then the C5 picked up again. Well, I would even say say the C3, like the you know late 60s through, what was that, all the way through the 70s almost, 
um, it that that's just as good a car. I mean, I think the C4, the original, and then the C4 were like the, the duds. weird outliers, right? Yeah, yeah, the weird outliers. But the two, the three. Well, I personally don't like the newer ones, like the seven, as much. But you know, five and six for sure. I'm just I'm just trying to think here. I I think I would definitely make the argument that for cars that have continued across decades, you have to pick one to be iconic. And whether I don't think so. I see I do think so because yes, you can make different arguments about, you know, which one between like the original Corvette or two or three or five or six, which one quote unquote started it. I really think that even out of that lineup, and even if we look at Mustang or any other car, we'll look at a couple other ones that have multiple model years. There's going to be one that really stands above the rest. And I would make the argument for the split window when it comes to the Corvettes. If we have to, if we have to choose one, yes, the split window. But I argue against having to pick one model because because of the fact that it's been so enduring. Like, you don't get that with the Veyron because it's a supercar. Like, they make one, and, right. they, like, yeah. there's not iterations of it that go on and on and on and on and on. I think it's, yeah, part of the iconic status is that it can continue to be... Top of mind. Yeah, like, at any time between... 1953 and now. And now, you can say Corvette, and people immediately think of what you're talking about. They don't think of some... Small sailing ship? I don't know. No, it was named after a tank. Oh, right. Yeah. It was named after a tank. Well, Corvettes are ships for the most part. Okay, let's let's suss this out a little bit because I think this is important. Let's look at two modern cars. Okay. Let's first think about, we'll think about them together. The Miata Mm -hmm. and the Prius, both of which showed up on five lists. So I, I definitely think there's an argument to be made for the Miata and the Prius both being iconic cars because both of them changed or have become beloved of different parts of car culture. Yes. But they still have the same, a similar problem to the Corvette and the Mustang. They're both in production now. While they haven't had runs that are as long, I'm hoping that by looking at cars with a shorter run, we can get a fix on whether or not one model out of a range should be picked to be iconic or whether you can pick the whole name or, you know, because I feel like there has to be some kind of I think feel like we have to make a choice there for some reason. Like between the Miata or the Prius? No, no, no. Between whether or not a car's name, you know, a whole range can be iconic or whether it's one model out of that range that has sort of jumped the car up. I and think I'm always... Go ahead. Sorry. I think that it's it seems like a cop-out answer, but I think it's... I think how you have to make that decision is, is there actually one that had a larger impact than the others. Mm. Like there Mm -hmm. are some, like the Miata had an impact and it continues to have the same impact today. So I think even though it was a 20th anniversary. Yes. Yeah. um, With that special one that I want very, very badly, (laughs) um, you know, but it still is the same thing, you know, for the, for the Miata. It's, you know, a small, relatively inexpensive, hitting way above its weight sports car that has become everything from, you know, the local club going out for their 35 mile an hour cruise <laughs> to people like Josh tearing it up in them and, you know, spec Miata. More Miatas kind of are stuff. raced than any other car in right. the world. Right. right. So I mean, it's, it's everything 
in quite the package, and that's the impact that the Miata has had. Sure. Not just the new one, not just the old one. Now you can argue like, okay, you know, is the new one? Does the you know new one have the highest impact because it's technically the highest performing, or does the oldest one have it because it's the one that kicked it off? But really, it's like when you take the conceit that it had to start somewhere, and you look that it kind of continues to do the same thing over the course of its life. For like the Miata, I say you have to go with just you know that name. I think that's good. I like I, that. I agree. You know, now I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add another another point to this. <laughs> so distracted by him <laughs> farting over there. Jesus. The door is closed in this room as we record too. And the fan is not on. That's all right. You guys will live. Anyway, where was I? Right. We you are have not to, professionals. Thank you, Nick. You, you have to look at the in, the entire the entire run of the car, no matter how long it is, whether it's a 50-year run, a 20-year run, because cars like that, it they add so much to car culture. There's almost their own subculture around those, whether it's a Corvette. For a Mustang, the, in, in some cases, maybe more than half of the cases, a lot of these are the standard in their class. This is what other manufacturers are trying to attain, right? Mm-hmm. You hear about Ferrari killers. You hear about, you know, can anybody... You know, compete with the WRX. Can it, like they they define Oddly, they the define culture. and set a standard for a category and a culture. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's the you know a C two or a C five. Like it's still a Corvette. It's still mm-hmm. the and you can they're in the same category. You can put the Mustang. Even though I'm a GM, you can put the Mustang right up there too. Like they are the they they set this standard for what others are trying to achieve in that space, and the Miata is doing the same thing. And it's got to be the whole run. Yeah, whereas I think, comparing the two, the Prius wasn't even the first one. True. The the insight was they happened to do it the best right off the bat. But then, like, the Prius name got turned into all these other models that are now getting paired back because... They weren't iconic. They were, <laughs> you know, they were not very good. And they're going back to just their kind of weirdly oblong Prius roots um, because that's what worked. So would you so, say no to the Prius altogether? No. I, I would say much like a lot of other things. I mean, like taking it away from cars for a moment because you can compare iconic stuff across the board. Of course. Um, you know, the iPhone. Not the first smartphone. Not the first touchscreen device, but really put it all together in a package that people really identify with smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even in video games where they're not allowed to use real smartphones, they're all takeoffs on the iPhone for the most part. Yeah. Um, uh, and so that's that's the you know that's kind of iconic there. In the same way that you know, okay, the Honda Insight was the first one, but it wasn't great. But it wasn't. It was uninspiring and looked weird, mm-hmm. weirder even than the Prius. Yes. Um, and you know, had these weird, like, wheel covers and a bunch of other stuff that made it intractable to a lot of people. But then Toyota comes along and says, well, here's, it's got some features. It's got, you know, low drag design and, you know, little, you know, low rolling resistance wheels and tires. But really, it's mostly just a car. You get it and you drive it. It's not a big deal. But it gets all this, you know, all these great benefits, yeah. you know. And they're the ones that really sold it. So I would say that that first Prius kicked off the avalanche and that's why it's iconic totally agree. but then it kind of fell off down the line 
Yes. And yes. That's, so that therefore that when you talk about the Prius, I'd say first generation Prius is important is an important qualifier qualifier when you say the the Prius is iconic versus well, Miatas. They're just all they're all iconic. <laughs> but know, all then then I think that's where we have to figure out how we're actually going to define it because now you're you're saying a certain model or a certain version of it, but not the whole run. Right. And I think that's the problem so, is that it's that's why you I can't would, apply a mm-hmm. single rule. That's why I would that's why personally I wouldn't put the Prius as icon important. Absolutely. I think he might be right. Do I do I hate it still? Yes. <laughs> I hate Priuses. But that doesn't mean I don't respect what they've done for this movement towards cleaner, more efficient driving, and it's been sustainable. Yes. Pun, in, pun intended. Uh, nice. <laughs> like, they've made, it, they've made it work. Is it iconic? No, because of what he said. Like, it started, the first one, sure, and then just fall off. Important, yes. Iconic, no. Well, also, here's a question. If you put a first-generation Prius and a Toyota Echo directly next to each other, how many people would know the difference those two cars <laughs> look almost exactly like. But do you even know what a first generation Prius looks like? Yes, I do. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to have been intimately acquainted acquainted with the two of them to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You can sit on that one for a while. I'll sit on it. What's next? Let's Get, think. Of, let's let's try another avenue here. I have I have another one that I think is it's difficult for me because it goes back to the very roots when I first learned about cars mm-hmm. it's the Porsche 959 okay and the reason why it's difficult is because my argument about that car specifically is that it's not iconic but what was iconic about the car was its competition with the Ferrari F40 Ferrari F40 first car first production car to do 200 for uh, Porsche 959 Second production car to do 200. The difference being the Porsche 959 was a luxury and the Ferrari F40 was a carbon fiber box of death. Right. <laughs> but it's still the way cooler car. Well, see, that that's where I that's one that I would actually have on my list when I thought we were doing a different format here. That is the F40 is an iconic car. So and just, you know, for comparison here, uh, looking on the list, the 959 was on three lists. The F40 was on five. Mm-hmm. So. Before we can, I, w- I want to go from the 959 slash 40 discussion directly into the 911 because that's going to be a whole beast on oh, its own. That's going to be an entire episode, dude. But I, you know, I, I struggle with the 959 because while it was the first car to do what every luxury manufacturer in the entire world is doing right now, you know, getting speed and supple leather and heated seats and all these other technology features. Veyron. <laughs> yeah. No. All wheel drive. Yeah. And all, right. All of course. Drive. And all wheel drive too. The 959 did that all first. Yeah. But I still don't think that car is an icon. I think it's an icon to Porsche fanboys, but I don't even think anyone else really knows what it looks like. I mean, I, I just looked it up. You had to look it up? <laughs> I just had to refresh my memory. Yeah. I mean, I had to look it up. I looked it up earlier today when I was doing the same kind of thing, like trolling through Iconic Corsos. Because, well, first of all, I mean, I think you and I differ on our overall opinion of the 911. I, I value its presence in the auto industry and motorsport and everything probably a little more than you do. I The design, I appreciate a little bit more. But I'm not a Porsche fanboy by any means. I don't know any of these numbers. 
Right. And it's model 911, but then they're like, this is the 959, this is the 998. Like, what What are right. all these? Like, I don't know what those all that's, mean. That's so, where it gets muddy, because if you just say Porsche 911, sure, but which now which one are you talking about? Right, we're, we're jumping in here. No, yeah. the 959 right. was its own Same. model. But that's why, that's why I was saying, that's why I had to look up what the 959 was, because I was like, is that a generation of 911? Oh, or uh, no, that what is, is its own. What is it? It's, it's yeah. its own thing, although... Almost all of its technology got lifted to put it in, in the 911. Of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that brings up an interesting dynamic when it comes to icons because I, I feel like you could put the F40 up against any car across motoring history. Maybe maybe just because I love it so much, but I do feel that most people would recognize that as a true automotive icon because it did something that no one else had ever done before. And even now when you look at the thing, it's like, wow, not only does that look seriously fast, but it actually was. Well, and that's kind of getting back to, you know, we I talked about how it's got to be a run of cars, but there's car companies that don't make cars in runs like right. that. So for in cases like that, the Veyron or the F40, it has to be an individual model because that's all there was. Mm-hmm. And yes, 100, 1,000% of the F40 is an icon. I don't think... If there's anybody out there who doesn't think the F the F forty is an, an is an icon <laughs> at us so we can delete you. <laughs> Just save the argument. We want you to respond, but not with that. Yeah. Whereas kind of on kind of comparing, you know, the supercar genre, because most supercars, you know, they get made for a few years and they generally go away with like minor facelifts or revisions kind of changing it enough to give it a different model number. Like we talk about 458, 488, Fate. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but something that, other than some minor technical tweaks and facelifts, the R8 has run forever. True. True. You know? And so then you talk about, that's one of those where it's like, is it iconic as a line? Is it iconic as an individual car? Or is it iconic at all? That's on here you too, know? but it was only on one list. Yeah. And it's like, but that's that's a way because like, you can compare them, but then you throw in things like the R8, and then that formula is ruined. It's just go, right. going with how just kind of this is a very difficult task we've set ourselves. So then let's get right into the 911, which is even makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna make it. This is gonna which complicates things far. I think maybe it might be the most complex one yet because what you have, to my eyes is a car rooted in, really, the most basic element of mass automotive manufacturing. The, you know, the, the 911 shares roots with the VW Beetle for good and ill. Yes. Mm-hmm. In terms of design, in terms of production. And the 911 has lasted every challenge. It's weathered every storm. Yes. Largely, and this sounds kind of weird to say, but largely unchanged. The car is still fundamentally the same as it ever has been in terms of placement, layout, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, yeah. you know, P- they get power, bigger. power plant differences, oh, changes right. in size. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. So, on that merit alone, it has to be an icon. Yeah, I think it's one of the, I think, you know, because as much as I'm not a Porsche fan, but I think there are better options out there for people who want to even drive cars. Um, You know, but I think part of why Porsche is so popular is because it is what people think of. 
Yeah. You know, they get that C-suite corner office and boom, I'm going to buy my 911 because that's what's done. That's mm-hmm. the, the done thing because it's such an icon. Middle management is BMW. Upper management is the 911. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> or nowadays, for whatever reason, the Panamera. Well, yeah, you got to move gotta, that family around. I was going to say, you got the kids. Buy another car. I always prefer the, Jer- <laughs> the Jeremy Clarkson argument. Uh, when he when Hammond had the 911 and he had the R8s, yeah. Hammond said, "I took the kids. I took the kids to school and work this morning." And Clarkson said, "I didn't. Who's the daddy now?" <laughs> 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 I mean, that yeah. really made me laugh. You know, but I think that when even when you say sports car, for a lot of people, and even me, if you just if you were to like surprise me on the street. And risk me panicking and doing something untoward. If hey, Tristan, to, sports car. If you were like to pop around a corner and go, sports car, I'd be like, duh, 911. And, you know, Honestly, yeah. That's, yeah. And I that that's, might be your first That's kind of like yeah. the litmus test for icon. As, <laughs> that's a good point. As, Can I surprise you into an answer? And that answer is what the icon is. As, as a platform, I don't think there is anything that's more ingrained in car culture you can say iconic it's cool than the 911 (laughs) but it's it so the platform yes iconic but it's just now they've got yeah the 912 and the 998 and the 996 996 and the gt2 and the gt3 even within that you get the you know, the 911, 911 Turbo, the Targa, and the 4S. And there's... I and the 4S there was Turbo. One too. And the Targa 4S. Something starts with a C, right? There's a C one. Cabriolet. Yeah. Cabriolet. Convertible. Like, yeah. It's, you the, know, the 911 isn't one thing. There's mad 911. And that's the problem. <laughs> Although, you know, maybe we're looking at this the wrong way. Maybe that is also a qualifier for a car that's iconic. So 911 can be so many different things, so many different models lasted the as a platform. Time. That's but you can still say it's a 911. People know what you're talking about, minus any particular detail trim to your, pieces to your 911. Yes. So maybe you know maybe that's another argument for. I'm trying to think of another car that has the same quality. Oh, Volkswagen GTI. Yes. Yeah. You know the same basic layout, same. Uh, Basic recipe, decently fast engine, nice suspension, good shifter in the middle, four doors. And a big old space in the back to carry a small refrigerator. Exactly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> don't carry a refrigerator in your GTI. It'll break the refrigerator <laughs> in the car. Don't do that. But you could. You could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't recommend it, but you yeah. could. So maybe, maybe we're looking at that the wrong way a little bit. Maybe if you can take the basic recipe... For a car like that, and, 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 you know, same with the 911 GTI, if you put a little car together, a little hot hatchback together, you're making a GTI competitor whether or not you want to. If you put a rear engine, if you put a engine in the rear of your car, you're making a 911 competitor whether or not you actually want uh, to. If you're, if you're super not lucky, it doesn't matter where you put the engine, you're still making a 911 fighter. Yeah, you know. like every sports car. Yeah. Every sports car. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I think that's kind of, I was kind of quiet under my breath. I don't know if anybody heard me earlier, but I think that's I think that's it's the reluctance to try to fight the 911 that actually spawned this auto industry term, the Boxster Fighter, mm-hmm. because nobody's putting their engines in the back, no, so you can't really compare them. <laughs> but everybody always says, you know, it's like the you know the TT Boxster Fighter that 
weird thing Lexus made for a while. Yeah. A boxer fighter. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> I think that's, I think it's something that people shy away from trying to compare it to the 911 because nothing really is. And that can also, I think that also speaks to what's iconic. It's, the whole iconic thing is this weird game of left and right. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you can, if you can, if you're comparing everything you make against it, it's iconic. Or if you can't compare anything you make against it, it's also iconic. iconic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's weird though. <laughs> so here's here's two more that I think are interesting, and they're both very similar. The first one is the Acura NSX, and the second one is the Ford GT slash forty. So both of these cars have existed. More or less throughout history. Mm. How far back does the NSX go? 90s. Okay, the GT40 was 60s. Correct. I'm just saying. But they also took it away for like 30 years. Right, but there have yeah. now been two generations at least. There's an old one and cars. a new one for these cars. <laughs> Correct. But, and, and then, you know, there's the whole thing where, you know, the new Ford GT is just the GT and that one that they produced... Uh, in the early 2000s, was was that just the GT as well? It was. The Ford GT? So mm-hmm. They're all the same car to me. They're, they're, you know, the Ford GT and the Ford GT40, they have the same design language. They have, the, you know, they're, they're the same car. Well, the GT40 wasn't even a street car. It was just a race car. Right. So that's... But they're, they're both aiming for the same thing, I think. Well, I put the GT40 on my list as an iconic car. But not the GT. Not the GT. Do you think that the two are notably different? One's a race car and one's a road car. Well, the new Ford GT is a race car. Well, they're both. Yeah, that one's both. So, I mean, so, okay, so then let's just look at the, we'll take the NSX out of it for now. Let's just look at the GT versus or including the GT40. I, in my mind, the intention is that those cars, those three cars, the Ford GT40, the Ford GT of the early 2000s, and the okay. Ford GT of now the late tens, ten, tens, thousands. <laughs> tens, thousands. You can just say of today. Yeah, okay, of today. <laughs> uh, are focused and aimed at being the same thing, even though they didn't race the uh, GT of the early 2000s, but they, that was Actually, the they did. They did? Yes. Oh, cool. Then they did. Hey, yes. my argument's even better. Uh, <laughs> I feel that those are functionally in Ford's lineup and in their place in history as you know, air quotes, history, the same car. What do you think? I think especially the first one and the newest one. I think. I don't know what the middle one was. <laughs> um, but I, I do think it's, you know, Ford's honest attempt at making a race car, and they have to homologate it. Because those GT, GT40s drive around. They're not just race cars. They exist. Um, right. You, you, you can see them. I saw one at Target like five years ago and almost really lo- lost my mind. Yeah. Huh. Um, so they, they, you they, and you like, didn't bring that up on Neat Car News ever. <laughs> yeah, you didn't f- think yeah to, five years ago when we were so, doing this podcast. We don't date it. <laughs> so He's been bringing lies this whole time. We didn't see those cars. <laughs> <laughs> so the, you know, they make some to homologate them. And if you're Ford this time around, they don't even make you homologated before they let you race them. Right. You know, I think the middle generation GT was built. I was it some kind? Was it some kind of anniversary 
or something like just sim- I, symbolic. I actually think it was so, an anniversary. So and also they and were intentionally building it to be the fastest car in the world, and it was that for, for yes, like a week. Yeah, because that's how this came out. that's how this works. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the first one and the most recent one were Ford's attempt to build a race car that they had to put on the street, so they did. And they went out to prove that they could make, you know, a high-class race car. And they did. And I think that's that's why they're so similar. I, but I don't find the new one as iconic as the original one. I think I, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's because it's contrived. Mm. I feel like the first time through, it was, you know, the Ford family, like, I am tired of getting, you know, our faces punched in by Ferrari. We need to do something about this. And literally pulling out all the stops. And I can't remember, either very nearly or actually killing people to, <laughs> to, to get this testing done and, like, you know, I just, think one person did die testing. Yeah, and it's like you know, Jeez. like this this you know unholy crusade to unthrone to dethrone Ferrari, and I think that that story makes that car iconic because in the end it then did. I I listen up, folks. This might be the only time you ever hear this comparison. Oh, based on what we just talked about a little bit earlier this episode, I compare the GT40 slash GT with the Prius. Sure. In that... <laughs> yep, the, that's the, the only time that <laughs> sentence ever been said. Exactly. The, the, in that the first one was great, very important. The Prius dipped. Ford GT40, amazing car, amazing story. Dipped with the new, with the early 2000s one. This one's kind of coming... It, did, it didn't sustain... Right. Well, it, it didn't sustain. I think a better way to put it might be that the first one, true icon. The other two have just been chasing the dragon ever since. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's. I think it's. But know, does that fall into iconic though? If we're going by runs, the of first one. Cars? I think the first one. You, I don't think you can escape that one no. at all. And I think so. I think that's it, like an it, exception it, to the rule. It's so iconic. We talked about earlier how other companies try to make cars to fight that. Ford had to make a car to fight the memory of that car. They've had to make two, and it didn't work. Either time. Yeah. They're still putting... Honestly, here, the, the current Ford GT is the supercar I never remember. Well, here, they still <laughs> put the Golf livery from the first Ford GT40 on every other GT they've ever made to make you think of that first one. Yes. You can't get around that car being iconic. Everyone's eating member berries. Member? I mean, yeah, kind of. So just the GT40, but not the entire line. That's interesting. I, I actually agree with that conclusion, though. I didn't think I would. But I think that you're both right. Um, and I'm just kind of looking through here to see what other oddities are on here. And stuff that got, you know, like tons of votes. The VW Beetle, do we want to go down that road? <sighs> I think it was one of the... Reluctantly, yeah. Because yeah, when you look at... Because you, you're talking about, like... Uh, you know, all these like Duesenbergs and all those other things earlier when we were kind of discussing, like things they're never going to make on this list. Mm-hmm. Even stuff like like the Ford Model T. Okay, great. It's kind of started cars and it brought a lot of the production around. But you know, literally, 
for better or worse, you know, propaganda from a fascist regime or not, um, <laughs> the, the Volkswagen is the people's car. Yes. Because it was designed to be a car that would mobilize entire countries. And it did, and it still does. And it mobilized more than just its parent country. Right. It, you know, it mobilized Mexico and I was say, all of, large swaths of Eastern Europe. Yeah, and all South America. And, yeah, a mm-hmm. good portion of the United States in the 60s and 70s. Oh, the entire West Coast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know... If no, you genuinely. no, if you lived west of Salt Lake City for a time, you drove a Beetle. Even if you didn't own it, your friend did, and you drove it. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know. So I think that that's. I think it's something that when you talk about the icon of kind of commoditized cars, there. I mean, I think the auto industry almost started with the Volkswagen because it was so. Even though America was buying cars, you know. The world wasn't at the scale that America was, and the Volkswagen is what unlocked that for the world. Okay, so I'm not disagreeing with you, but that brings up a question here. If we're calling the Beetle an icon because of the fact that it, and we agree on that. Yes. What about the Model T? Talk about assembly line, car for everybody. I mean, the first... Can you was tell the Model T? Okay. Can you tell me what the Model T looks like? Please describe it to me in even general detail. So, all right. <clears throat> so it had <laughs> four wheels. Yes, it, it had got four that. wheels. It had um, this exterior um, doors. Yes. No <laughs> windows. Ra- cir- cir- circular headlights outside of the body of the car. Uh-huh. It had. It was two door. It had a soft top. Did it though? Some did. Some did. Some did. You get the convertible option. I I don't know what the Model T looked like, and I know it looked like other cars. I couldn't pick it out of a lineup of two cars. If both were Model Ts, I wouldn't even pick the right one. A lot of the Ford model cars, I do get confused. Model A. They were always model black. T. Are you sure? Yes, because yes. that was the famous quote: "The Model T comes in any color you want as long as it's black." Save it. He saved money. Every car was black. You don't get a choice. Yep. Yep. That uh, must be a different model. I mean, uh, that car could very well be an icon. I don't know what it looks like. I mean, I know roughly what it looks like, but, like, you know, like I couldn't describe it. Yeah. It, I, think Although, mo- I think most people do, though. I like, just all, because you I, don't. Yeah. Mm. I think you, run in, you start running into, although usually a logical fallacy, you start running into slippery slopes, like how far back do you go? And it's like, well, if the Model T's an icon, is the Benz patent patent motorwagen? Thank you. Yes, you know, an icon because it's all the first one. That's exactly. Well, what I was just going. I, I was I just going. I was just going by the whole because of the commoditization of it, because of the fact that it's a car for everybody. Henry Ford was doing that thirty years before the Germans were, and that's a really good point. It, in impact, it definitely has the stature of an icon. The Model T. Uh, my struggle with that car specifically is that I don't know slash I don't care to know <laughs> anything <laughs> more about it than the fact that it existed. So, I, I mean, it feels like better minds than me should decide on that because I maybe I'm just like too much of a casual, you know, to, to, to really. Well, like I said, I, I can't tell you the difference between a Model A and Model T. And I think most people would struggle, but maybe that's. Whatever. Maybe that's a fair assessment of the car itself. Maybe 
because of the Model T being so successful, we now think that any car that looks like that, including the Benz, which kind of look like the same, we just think Model T. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know. That's what we, oh, what is it? that one there? You see a picture, oh, it kind of looks like a Model T. Yeah, it could be. Uh, it, right. It, it could be a Hupmobile or whatever. Or, like, or, or, you know, like all those uh, stupid metal old timey like car shop signs. I just assume they have a picture of a Model a T, T on, on it. Yeah. But yeah. maybe it's not a Model T. Maybe maybe I've never seen a Model T. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you don't just know. <laughs> but, you, but, the, but the name is still ingrained, right? The name yes. and the story. Exactly. And, and what it does. So Honestly, the theme that I'm picking up on is... Does it have a story? It does have a story. We've had so many rules and then an immediate exception to the rule. The only one that we haven't really had is... You mentioned it in your... In your blog is is there a narrative even mm-hmm. if even if it's not a legend like the GT40 right there's the narrative around the first generation Prius there's the narrative around right up to us making fun of Nick what is a Corvette does the narrative end when it goes mid-engine right you know mm-hmm. like that interest in its story in the narrative around it I think that's something that we can settle on as making an icon you know Back to the earliest ones we were talking about in this episode, you know, the first car to feature, you know, what is it like four turbochargers and yep. 16 liters and go mm-hmm. 200 zillion miles an hour. Yep. The first rally car to use all wheel drive, you know, I think it's something that, you know, the, the F40, the first was the first 200 first mile car, an hour car. First production car 200. Yep. You know, like all of them have some story around them. I think it's something that we can maybe Does the Miata have a story? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's the answer to everything. Yeah. That's true. It's 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 and, yeah. it, and it's not necessarily it's not this hero's journey necessarily of a legend of like 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 the GT forty fighting Ferrari. But there is there is a story, there's a narrative about the car. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it brings a it's a sports car that is literally everything. Yeah. More Miatas are raced set yourself. More right. Miatas are raced than any other car. Okay. Okay. And and more Miatas are driven to 35 miles an hour by aging hairdressers. <laughs> so it's everything. Yeah, it's you know. I I mean I don't know where we're at for time. I know like the general idea is to get this list cut down to 16 because we're getting into March Madness and we want to do a bracket of these. Let's let's talk the NSX and I've got two other names here that I just want to throw out to the group to sure. kind of get a gauge on. So NSX. <sighs> NSX I think is I think it's tough. I think that it's not an icon because while Yet. the car is incredibly desirable and has a very powerful attraction to people who know what it is if you're not already inside you don't know you probably think it's you probably think it's a corvette in all honesty if you see an original nsx driving down the road and you don't know what it is you might think you might think it's a corvette or some weird mitsubishi or yeah. you don't know what it is if you don't know what it is or an integral <laughs> with a body kit yeah. Or a prelude to the body kit. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think not an icon. Controversial choice, but I agree. It is a tough choice because people in car culture, it is a car, but I, I don't, not yet. Not yet. It's funny you should say that. There's, you, there's potential. The ceiling is there, but I don't think it is yet. Speaking of, speaking of one that's related, one, there is a car that did not appear on any of the lists that I looked at. The Toyota Supra was not on any iconic car list that I looked at. 
Because they all saw the new one. No, no, no. These lists were from, <laughs> I mean, they were from, you know, like the last yeah. decade. Yeah, They were all from, you know, 12, 13, whatever. Just going off of what you said, Nick, there is such a cult following for something like the Supra and something like that. Does NSX, a cult following mean an icon? No, no, that's exactly. the Exactly. And, and I think... I think that's where the of, NSX is and, at, and think, at this point. Yeah, and I think, yeah, part of it is, because it's, again, it's like that, the people who know. So, like, the NSX... It's this like fantastic supercar beater for Honda prices, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and for the Supra, honestly, as much as people may like a lot of the rest of it, the legend of the Supra isn't the whole car; it's that motor. It's just the engine, correct? You know, so I think that's the two J, yeah, whatever the yeah designation on it was, but I think that's part of why it doesn't fall into that iconic status is because it's people just tear the engine out and want to put it in everything because. You know, that's, that's that, you know, it's the engine, not the car. Well, also one you know, day I will, I will write my article about why the Supra started Lexus, but that's an aside. It is. That's, um, that's a conspiracy theory. So, <laughs> and I'm going to put that out, you know, we can, we can discuss this a little bit on air with folks. I don't think you guys can vote me down. This is a democracy. I don't think anybody's going to be interested in, in listening to us pair a 72 car list down to 16. No, no, no. We're, we're going to do that off air. But what we're distrib- you know, we're kind of... We're setting know, the stage for how we're right, going exactly. about doing it. We're trying it. to figure out what our criteria are going to be so that when next episode we have our 16 car bracket, then you'll be able to know kind how, of how we got, we got there. there. So okay. actually... No, go ahead. The, so NSX cult following... Not does, yet an icon. Does the WRX get that same treatment? That actually didn't appear on any list. The Evo did, but not the WRX, which hmm. I think is actually kind of bizarre. And an affront. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, calm, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> calm calm down. down. However, calm down. I actually don't think you're fully wrong, Tristan. I think that in the same way that the Quattro is the representation of rally going all-wheel drive. I really think that the WRX and not the Evo, because the WRX lived and the Evo didn't, is the representation of modern rally since the 90s. It's one of one at this point. Like I, yes. you know, yeah, I've, like I've that, written like about it, in the like past. The blog, yeah. It, uh, again, defines a category. For, in this case, it is the category. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely think it's iconic, and it wasn't on any list, which is bizarre to me. I agree. And, you know, and it has the pedigree to back it up. Rally wins and championships, and you know, and then and, and, and you take the flip side of all the coins too, you know, sales numbers yeah. outside of rallying. Like, because we always talk about you know, race on Sunday, sell on Monday, and that's that worked for the WRX, and the, and the <laughs> it doesn't work for a lot of other cars. <laughs> we talk about being, and we had mentioned before, I think I, I think I said it, I don't know, it's been a long episode, the um, the being ingrained in culture and the subculture, oh my God. how many. WRX, how many WRX gangs are you in now? <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew might have gotten us in another one on Instagram. They keep following us on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, but, but there's hashtag, so many different clubs dedicated to the WRX. Every time I hashtag Subaru, genuinely, a new Subaru Owners Club follows Owners us. Club parts supplier. Parts supply store, yeah, that was our, that was our latest one. Yeah. <laughs> it, okay, so that was a pretty easy answer. Yes, on the WRX. I think, I what think about the Skyline GTR? That was on here, yeah. But only the R34 on all the lists I look at because that's the one. It is the one, but I say no. I say no to the whole line. Actually, 
I love that car, but I think it's a cult following. I think, I think it's, it's more a, like the I think NSX. It's a cult following because I think unlike the 911, where you basically have the same formula across the board for bazillion years, mm-hmm. you start out with the Skyline in Japan very early. It was like a former sedan. Yep, it was. All the way up to Godzilla, which is this hand-built, all-wheel drive, ridiculous machine. And they're all called the Skyline. And somewhere in the middle, you've got the R34, which is definitely a performance car, mm-hmm. but it is not a new GTR by any stretch of the imagination. But it's also far more than it started out as. You've got this Spectrum, but it's that, that by definition, it's not the same thing. You know, it's not... I don't think it's an icon because it, it's a, a zillion different cars. I agree with that, and I also think that though it has incredible narrative power... I just think I just think it's too unimportant in the greater story of cars. Honestly, I think that I, I have kind of two thoughts about it. The first one is that the R34 got its lunch eaten by the WRX. Yeah, that's my first thought. And the second one is if Nissan had put out a different, newer, faster, better version of the R35, they put out an R36. This might be a different discussion entirely. Yeah. If they had, I mean, if they had kept, if they had started with the R34 and kept marching it versus. The 35's been out for like 10 years now. Yeah. Versus, or, or even like not even made it as far as like the new GTR. Mm-hmm. Like just kind of kept that R34 size, formula, everything else. Because again, although the cars have gotten bigger, different, etc. You know, when you look at the size, mass, specifications, etc. of a first-generation WRX to the current one, the orders of magnitude are not nearly the R34 to the new GTR. Correct. In, in scope of difference. I think if they had kept, much like, because apparently Nissan does this a lot, if they had kept marching the Z cars the same way, 350, 370. Completely. 390, 410. That's, they, why do they do it in odd numbers? But, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, if they kept marching those cars, iterating those cars, improving those cars, that's how you build a story and you build a legend versus, like, we made this car and then we waited a really long time and made this other car and we still haven't made another one. Yep. That doesn't build a legend. Doesn't build a story. Doesn't build a narrative. Totally agree. I'm on. No I'm on board. Yeah. Awesome. No momentum. I'm on board. Um, okay. So by my list here, we've got eleven of our sixteen, and we're what an hour and a half in, hour and twenty in. Like, well, do we need to build the other five on air? Is there another one you want to discuss? Well, we've or still got a ton on his list that we yeah. need to make sure I, don't I, beat any on this list. I don't think so. What my my biggest takeaway. From this, I wanted to convince the two of you, because Nick, before we started this, you said that actually 72 cars was not actually that many. I you think s- just looking at you this said list, 60. 60. Well, 60 were the ones that got voted twice. Oh, twice. Well, I'm, okay, you're talking about the, the rarefied air and how the word iconic needs to be used. Mm-hmm. But if you think all the cars that were made in the history of the automobile... 72 is a pretty low percentage. That's absolutely true. So it's not like they're throwing the word iconic around literally to everything. Like there, there is a very small sect of cars that were considered iconic. That's, even, that, that was my point. Right. But even now, we, even in this amount of time, we determined that actually 60 is too high. There are cars on this list that don't deserve it. Yes. 
And so there are cars on that list that don't deserve it, but there are also cars that aren't on that list that probably do deserve it. We just we just talked about what was it? The WRX wasn't on any list. And that's what and that's what we are going to do now. So 60, the number may not be bad. It just might not be the right 60. Okay, pedant office of pedantry. Um, (laughs) Here's what I think we do from here. We've determined the three of us that. While there are many qualifications, many things that make a car iconic, two of the things it has to have, one, narrative, two, momentum, continuing momentum, regardless of whether or not it goes out of production or continues in production like the Corvette. So, right. You know, similar to the the same way the GT40 is iconic, as is the Corvette, as is the Miata, A, as is... Uh, yeah, and that, and that big... The WRX, and that, right, and that, and that paints a picture. The main thing is, is it enduring... Whether it's continuous production or, for example, just mindshare, like Ford can't get away from the Gulf livery because the GT40 is such a present part. When you say Ford GT, seventy percent of your brain is thinking about the GT40, thirty percent of it is thinking about the new one. Yes, you mm-hmm. know that kind of thing. So, right. So we can come up with the next time we come on air, we'll have hashed out the remaining four or five, whatever we need, and we're going to have a bracket of sixteen, and in true March Madness fashion survive in advance mm-hmm. we're gonna get it down and we're gonna we're gonna pick a winner the most iconic car it's gonna get bloody i think because yeah we have to pick one i i i honestly think getting the final five weeded out and the seeding how are we gonna seed this seeding is gonna be really tough <laughs> that's gonna be the toughest part well my my initial proposal is actually that each of us get a four get a four spot on the bracket and then we have an open bracket that we think probably the should be's. You know, for example, I don't think any of the three of us is picking the Model T. The Model T should be in this bracket. You right, so I mean? it's a 16 seed. It's one of yeah. the lower seeds. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh... Like, that's an easy seed. Yeah. We'll I, you pull- know, I think, I think this is going to be really fun. I'm really looking forward to finding the most iconic car of all time. And that will be inarguable. That will be... We will use whatever car we vote as the silhouette of note for the rest of time. This is inarguable. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever we say goes. Exactly. So, yeah. God, this I is... hope it's nothing ugly. <laughs> <laughs> so all matters. Folks, if you want to add to the list, if you have a candidate that we didn't mention or that might you might have looked at the same list that Andrew did and said, hey, what about this? Reach out to us. Let us know. We're on social. Go to checkenginepodcast.com. Inbox at checkenginepodcast. Tell us what you think should be in our iconic car bracket. Please, yeah. I, I 72 is a big list, but I want I want more. <laughs> I, want, I want this. <laughs> we want more to, to sift through. More to work with. I really do. All right. Anything else before we uh, wrap up, before we start getting into thank yous? Um, I don't think so. I mean, off air, obviously, we're going to go, go through a few more of these and... Um, Man, I, I'm really looking forward to this, actually. This is going to be fun. Yeah. But uh, let's... This is going to be two marathon episodes in a row for the, for the we folks. We might want to make the next one three. <laughs> so, <laughs> make, make, it, make it a total of three. We'll see. So yeah. um, let's, let's give everybody a break. Let's get into our thank yous before we cut out of here. Andrew, who are you thanking? I mean, I just want to thank people who passionately love cars, even if I hate them. Maybe especially if I hate them. Because... <laughs> I would never, ever force myself to think about a 911, but I think I pretty convincingly defended it tonight. So uh, <laughs> I like the mental exercise. <laughs> um, 
I would like to thank uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> I think uh, you've thanked Wikipedia before. I need to do it again. It's it's worth it because <laughs> I, I told you in person earlier today um, that I was like, I don't know if my depth of car knowledge is nearly enough to do this episode because then like, like, like you, Andrew, I came to cars late and my scope of interest is narrow. <laughs> um, so, you know, I can talk about what I can talk about. And other than that, it requires a fair amount of research and it's worth thanking Wikipedia and the internet. Yeah. Cause otherwise we probably wouldn't have a podcast without Wikipedia. Definitely. Not. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. Um, Nick would have a podcast. Oh yeah, he would. <laughs> I would like to. I would like to thank the company that made Andrew's uh, microphone condom because it makes my microphone look like a penis. And it. Well, I mean, look, everybody just needs to remember to practice safe podcasting. That's all. <laughs> that's all we have to say. And as always, we have to thank the listeners for tuning in. Even if we suck, you guys are awesome. Reach out to us. We're on social. We're on Facebook at Check Engine Podcast. Andrew, we're on Twitter, aren't we? Yeah, at Check Engine Pod. And we are aggressively on Instagram at also Check Engine Pod. True, we are. There you go. On we're on all three major socials. Um, if you're really into what we're doing, we also have support pages. Um, please um, take a minute, take a dollar, throw it into our support pages. It comes out as better content for you. Um, we're at anchored. There's a support page at anchor.fm. And there's also a Patreon page, patreon.com slash check engine podcast. Don't forget to review us any place where they accept reviews. We just got another review on Apple. Awesome. So thank you. Um, and it was a five star. Excellent. Even, more even better. Even, that. even more. Thank you. So folks take a second and do that as well. Um, but until next time, Thank you once again. We cannot wait to talk to you again. Take care. Bye.